Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Echelon Cycling Podcast, where we discuss what happened in the week just gone and look ahead at the weeks ahead, obviously. But as always, I can't do this on my own. I'm joined by Patrick Blake of Audi Cycling and Mr. Kriger himself, Ewan Wilson. And today it is, well, it's the last day of the World Championships. But uh, yeah, what have you kind of thought of this? And uh, Patrick, you're probably the first one we should go to given the hat and uh, any anyone listening on the podcast please please watch the episode on youtube i implore yeah. you to do so i'm not we're not going to give anything away you will have to just come and watch a video to see what i'm wearing i thought i had a really good time i didn't watch the women's race today i watched the start of the under 23 and then i'm now somewhat some other place in the uk mysteriousness and uh yeah i had a great time honestly for the different locations, the, the TTs and Sterling were really fun. I really liked the finish up there. Although you weren't allowed in the last 200 metres because of, I don't know, UCI Karens on patrol just deciding to deny fun in the last 200 metres. I'm not sure if you needed to buy access, but not going to lie, that kind of sucked. And yeah, and then, and then everyone was scrambling on this one monument to try and get a view of Remco of the finish. It was really hilarious. And then uh, somebody tried to jump over a barrier and the UCI Karens were not happy about that either. There were plenty of those about this week, honestly. They were kind of a bit... They, they were going apeshit. Pardon my French, but yeah, they were going mental. But overall, great time. I thought that it was a real good week of racing. And yeah, the multidiscipline stuff. I love the mountain biking. I thought that was real fun too. Actually kind of inspired to go get my mountain bike out now. Shocker. As a, as a roadie, that's definitely a big plunge for me. But yeah, what about you? Did you, did you enjoy it? I thought it was, it was, it was good overall. I felt inspired to get my artistic bike out and to 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 dance on the handlebars. Also, cycle ball. I've never never seen a full match of cycle ball before, but uh, switched on and, and watched a little bit of that. It's probably the one and only time it'll get national television coverage. So I, I guess this is this has been quite a a successful week in in putting those smaller events on on the map, particularly like the trials events, where they just seem to like jump around as small maybe 20 meters squared course with rocks and blocks everywhere it was quite interesting but in, in terms of the road events which is what we mainly cover in, in our remit yeah i mean the time trial events were, was super interesting i didn't love the course to be honest it felt a little bit sort of it didn't have that world championship atmosphere i don't think watching on, on tv at least maybe in the ground it was different but watching on tv it felt more like a sort of a national championships or like even like a local local level british time trial instead of it being uh, a world championship event where there's a rainbow jersey on the line the women's race uh, though that just happened early today on the on the day of recording was I thought it was really good. It was different to the men's race. It felt like inevitable that that Kapeki had a really good shot at winning. And then when Kapeki went, well, that was it done. But like there were parts of the race where you thought maybe the balance powers are moving away. The Schweinberger, for instance, had a real great coming of age ride. Uh, Lizzie Diagnan out of nowhere um, sort of burst into the the top group of favorites. So it, it really was an interesting race, probably until that final 6K. That's uh, very fair from both of you. Um, my kind of thing, I, well, I thought the World Championships were great, as you said as well, giving uh, a lot more exposure to smaller events. Like, okay, I, I love the Track World Championships. I would have watched that any time of the year. Uh, I would not have watched the mountain biking. I watched the Pitcock and hoping that Machu Manipur would do something. But first lap or whatever, crashing out was a bit of a shame. The only thing with this is I feel like with having them all bunched up like this, I agree with you and the smaller events definitely benefit from it. But I feel like the bigger events, some of the shine was taken away because it's like mountain bike world champion. Yeah, Pickock wins. And then 
oh now it's the under 23 and now it's oh it's the women so it felt like it was just like a conveyor belt of of rainbow jerseys and that special moment of winning a world championships was kind of overshadowed by oh there's another one coming oh there's another one coming and people will say yeah it's the same same with the olympics but the olympics is something unique it's every four years this is a world championships yeah i i can get on board with that opinion it'd feel like a fleeting sort of celebration like oh look here look there it was kind of hard to keep track of even what was even happening on a day-to-day basis if you were just looking at road events if you were also trying to get the other events into your calendar like the something had to give in your in your calendar i know i was on a logistical nightmare for the last week or so it has been quite tough to try and keep everything sort of afloat it's like been like spinning plates but i think that is the this sort of super world champs is it a once every four year thing that they're planning on doing so it's like an olympic style thing which i do kind of like so it will be sort of more of a special occasion but i did find it a bit odd that maybe the men's elite road race was the first thing that sort of came around because it was like bang big event and then it's like psh, and then everything after that maybe people didn't care about as much maybe it might have been better to put the men's elite in the place of a women's event like just because then it keeps the intrigue going and I, I don't know is that is that a valid opinion would it have made more sense to have a women's race first i agree i, I feel like they the schedule that they usually go with, so having another time trial before the road race, I think works really well. Particularly having like the the pinnacle sort of men's and women's road racing as the final weekend event, I think that would have been great. Maybe it was a matter of closing the roads during the week in Glasgow City Centre and having all of those fans there, like in terms of the, the logistics of it all, because most of the road racing happened on the Saturday and the Sunday, the first Saturday and Sunday, then on the second Saturday and Sunday, there wasn't much going on during the week, apart from the mixed race relay, and also Monday was a bank holiday in Scotland. So it, it might have been a, a logistical thing, but I definitely th- feel like you should have had the time trial, then the road race, then maybe put the mixed, the, put the relay in between just to sort of keep the momentum going. I mean, we are going to do right of the week, but uh, we might as well just start with uh what has been your moment of this super world championships uh, i think we don't even need to ask patrick um yeah is there anything that really stands out obviously much wonderful i thought that was I, iconic i think we all three of us think that was an insane moment but is there anything else that really stands out as a big big moment um that's a really good question i did really enjoy Lizzie Dignan sort of, I don't want to call it return, but it, it felt like a really sort of, a return, like a bit of a blast from the past. I really enjoyed that. I know that that's also kind of like a biased Yorkshire opinion though, now that I think about it. But I think that also to be under 23 TT, I thought that Malaysia's win was a bit of an upset, beating Segart. That was sort of a an unpredictable one. I thought that was quite a good one, Um, just to kind of from an underdog perspective, I enjoyed that from a kind of like rooting for him. I think that was a that was a fun one, but honestly, there's been so much to try and keep track of. I thought the short track, Sam Gaze getting that win, that was quite a very entertaining. I can tell you because I was there in person, that was insane. Like the short track is like a crit, but uphill gravel off road, it was mental. And I reckon we should just have gravel crits now. I reckon that's the that's the format to go with now. They're sketchy enough as they are, um, but. Yeah, lots of things to pick apart from this week. I think those are just a couple of things which I enjoyed. And maybe having uh, sort of like crit world championships are now going to be more in vogue given the uh, 
given the city center circuit of, of Glasgow that, that was used during the road events, maybe that's going to make her future world's routes a little bit more sort of windy. But a lot of a lot of the riders did complain. But I mean, for me, from an emotional level, probably, I mean, Katie Archibald winning on the track in the team pursuit, it's been a really d- difficult past sort of 12 months year for her and to bounce back and, and to win a gold medal in Glasgow it means an awful lot also in terms of actually having a Scottish rider win in Scotland there weren't that many Scottish cyclists here at the Worlds it felt like it was fleeting to support home riders because there, were, there weren't that many Scottish athletes but Katie Archibald really rose to the occasion elsewhere Axel Laurence winning the under 23 road race following what has been another sort of tumultuous 12 months he was fantastic this time last year at Britannia Classic being right up there in the sprint uh he was going to be sort of the, he had well he then signed a long contract with the paris cycling club sorry scott I had to here we go <laughs> but, but he was but he was going to be their big sprinting project with mark cavendish so he was their, their big upcoming french french talent he was really really promising then he got dumped last minute when when the team f- fell through and sort of every world tour team well, the, the, even Cavendish was finding it hard, hard to f- find a team, let alone Axel Laurence. They got picked up by the Alps and the Koenig dev team, and he's been racing sort of junior races all year, waiting for that big race to come. And it feels like we've almost forgotten about Axel Laurence. But here in the World Championships, he just sort of rose to the occasion. Also, Mikhail Svitacek was really, really good in that race as well. Yeah, literally that podium. I can't wait five years from now or whatever. Holy moly. Like Laurence. Antonio Morgado and Svercek, like Svercek was insanely good. And I'm like, oh, just when you got like, you know, the Sagan era ending, there's like this new Slovakian talent just to kind of get behind. I love that. How there's just like, as one fades, one comes into it. That's just, I can't wait to sort of track Svercek over the next kind of couple of years because I think that, yeah, this has been like a Neo Pro year, but next year, like, oh, honestly, watch out for him because I think that he's going to be absolutely incredible. Can't wait. Yeah. Also, just correction Martin Svercek, not Mikhail Svercek. Oh, oh, sorry. My bad. <laughs> no, no, that was right me. That was me back. who made the decision, uh, who made the mistake. I was, oh, sorry. Um, yeah, but uh, we might as well talk about Remco Venipol as well. We haven't really mentioned him. Winning the World Championships time trial in quite quite an emphatic fashion, beating Ghana and Josh Tarling. We'll get on to Tarling. But Remco Venepoel doing something, he's been likened to Eddie Merckx so many times that it's crazy. Only 23 years old. He's accomplished something now that Eddie Merckx has never done, winning the World Time Trial Championships because it never existed when he was a pro. But um, yeah, does this add something to... Does this... well? lift him up in the stages of cycling and can we still put him in that box of the the accomplishments of Eddie Merckx in the modern era and uh, yeah I'm, I'm I'm going for this yeah as Ewan mentioned this as well he's the first rider to win kind of in a well we couldn't think of it win the road race title and then the next year win the time trial title okay it's not a double but it's very close yeah it's it's almost as close as you're going to get and it's it's more impressive maybe because it's across two de- separate disciplines uh, with it being sort of well a hilly road race last year and this year with it being a, a mostly well mostly flat TT there was a climb at the end but Avonpool was even up on Pippo Ganna before the uh, the climb to Stirling Castle so for me it's definitely putting Remco up there maybe not Eddie Merckx category just because we haven't seen what he's capable of at a Tour de France I think once we get that answer we, we might be able to have those discussions but he's definitely setting himself apart from Pogaccio at the moment which who I think is probably the other rider in contention to be like the Eddie Merckx of this generation because Pogaccio doesn't have a world championship title neither does he have an in- well, world championship individual time trial champion and I think what Avonpool has done here is sort of 
complete another one of those sort of boxes on his tick list, which he's definitely been doing over the past sort of two seasons, winning monuments, winning USO World Tour stage races at the highest level, a Grand Tour victory, national championships on the road, and and now, well, the World Championships on the road and the, 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 the time trial discipline. It's super polyvalent. It's definitely showing a, a maturing of talent and age by Remco Ivnipol. And there's only a few riders probably in the pro peloton who could do the same. Just a name... Riders off the top of my head, Pagaccio, as you said, Ewan probably could do something if the course suited him, especially in the TT, if it was a bit hillier. I think he could definitely win a, a road race and a TT. White Van Art, of course, um, is another one who could do that. But outside of them, like I'm really struggling to think of somebody who would win a road race and a TT world title in the current peloton. I reckon there's only those three, unless I'm Ghana, maybe, if, if a road course really suited him. But... You're really clutching at straws as to riders who could really complete something like this. And Remco's the only one in the peloton to have done it. So it does really set him apart from the rest of the field. And it does give him an edge over a Pogaccia and stuff. Because Remco is faster than Pogaccia over most TT courses. I mean, we've seen if they head uphill, then Jonas might certainly t- decide to turn up and come and take the title instead. So I think that Remco's really forged out a niche where, which he is really good at, which is that he is a, a Grand Tour rider, stage racer, but absolute killer TT. Like he is, without a doubt, top three on any course like put him in there he's he's a contender for the win and there's not many riders who you can say are on that same mantra also just thinking like in terms of his palmares he's been national champion of belgium he's been european champion as well back in 2019 and now he's world champion by the age of 23 and it's a competitive national championships in belgium i don't know if we've had anybody else do that i know the european championships took a pause for quite a few years but i don't think we've had someone not like Pipogan, I don't think, has even won the Europeans. So it it is it, it is a truly unique feat that, that Avonapol has done here in winning all of those by the age of 23. And also lo- looking towards the road race, he's now got the road racing title of Belgium. He's been the road world champion. He also came second in the Continental Championships uh, back in 2021, only losing out to Sonny Corbrelli. So Avonapol really does have, have this, his talent of one day racing whether that's a one day race time trial in the national championship or a european or world championship and also in these classics like we spoke about with uh liege bastion liege also classic of san sebastian apart from the world championships we had last week the belgian road championships last year won by tim Melier and uh bashimi bunch which he went to as sort of a promo for the rainbow jersey last year he in terms of the past few seasons he's he's won all of those races that is a phenomenal, phenomenal record. And I, I think that that just goes to show that Remco really is a, a rider who can rise to the occasion and deliver. I'm going to still clutch to this, uh, this Eddie Merckx because it's been him and Eddie Merckx have been so synonymous over the years uh, just because he's Belgian and he's winning a lot. But uh, Eddie Merckx actually won his first world championships. He won three in total on the road, obviously, because the time trial didn't exist when he was 23 i believe so same age or just 22 so similar it's similar kind of yeah trajectory uh he was 24 when he won his first tour de france repco is going to be 24 next year when he goes to his first tour de france so he's kind of still is on the track of doing this and uh, in terms of liege baston liege uh yeah he was a lot older than then uh, Remco, when he won his first one, he was actually 24 when he won his first one, and he's already won two of them. So in some categories, he's actually ahead of the goat of the sport. And it wouldn't surprise me, given quick steps 
lacklustre spring classics this season if Remco was sent to Flanders next year and even managed to win that solo with a not on a climb but like a, a preemptive move on a flat section say before like a Ardequirement or something like that if he went solo long like he could win that as well but you know an Il Lombardia as well but you know I'd probably say like a Roubaix and a and a San Remo probably not likely to happen but yeah like he he is so comp- comparable to Merckx and you know like like Ewan said well it's just like a test of time like the, the results will continue to keep flowing for Avonapool so long as nothing goes wrong and it's just a matter of how far can he go because he is a such good one day racer and the one thing which I love about him is that him and Pagatra and Vanderpool are very akin to this is that they have this very still like pure racing style where they go for quite long audacious moves and it's not calculated which is what the pro pelotons become more and more akin to and i just love how they still hold on to this like pure grit cyclismo determination to make racing entertaining and from a fan's perspective i love that he still goes along in races and makes them exciting from far out i think that he is really good at doing that and that's arguably one of his strongest strengths is his aeroness is that it's just so hard to follow him and that's why he's so good at tt's too it's just he's the whole package and i reckon mercs will be like oh god all my records are getting ticked off slowly one by one calves equaled this and you know what's next to fall for mercs basically i mean the one thing that's missing now is an olympic medal really and uh, oh no yeah well tour de france he has a grand tour yeah it's, yeah, yeah. He it's proving himself at the tour de france um, but then also an Olympic medal as well. I feel like that's that's necessary to really get in, in, into that sort of legend category. I mean, he probably w- will be, but I feel like an Olympic medal would would be like the full house of competitions because he's got the monument, all those different titles that, that we spoke about as well. I don't think did any Merckx actually win an Olympic gold. I feel like um, he didn't. His, he didn't. I've got his Wikipedia page up right here. Yeah, I'm, I'm frantically trying as well. Um, but his son did. A bronze. Yeah, the Olympic road race, it, it, it does it does throw up some strange results if you look back at the history books. But what Avonapol does have is the opportunity to get an Olympic medal in the time trial in Paris in particular. Next year, if Ghana goes for the track again and then misses the mark in in the road racing side of it, then Avonapol could be in a really good position to win that Olympic title. Especially coming out of the Tour de France, the Olympics will be in a similar position to the Worlds this year, or a week earlier probably. I think he's, he's, he's definitely got a good shot at winning gold next year. Yeah. Do you think he's going to win the Tour? That, yeah, that's the last point. Do you think he's going to win? Well, he's matched or beaten some of Eddie Merckx's achievements at this relative similar age. Yes, cycling is very different now, which I think is quite impressive that he still managed to beat some of Eddie Merckx's achievements by the same age. But do you think he's going to come anywhere near yeah, the Hall of Grand Tours like Eddie Merckx? He has won, like you said, but is he going to get the Tour? I, I think th- he will. Ooh. Ooh. You think he's yeah. going to get five or just win one? No, I don't think he'll get five. I reckon he'll get one or two. I just think that there's still more to come from Grand Tour performances from Remco. I think he would have won the Giro this year, barring COVID, personally. I think that's not an especially hot take, to be honest with you. I think it would have been you know, pretty likely that he was going to, if he didn't have COVID, put more time in that second TT into a Roglic. Could he have held on to Roglic in most of those climbs, if not all of them? Yeah, probably. And so I think Remco could win the Giro. So hypothetically, yes, he could do that again. Can he win the Tour? We haven't necessarily seen him up against 
a Pogaccia and a Jonas in like full flight. So I think that's still like an unknown. It's very possible that he could be competitive against them. We just don't know. We're presuming that he won't be because of the level of Pogaccia and Jonas. That's kind of what I feel people like the general public and sort of feeling is that our Remco's not quite on a climbing level, but we just don't know because we haven't seen it. So I'm going to stick my neck out and say I think he will win a tour. I'm not sure whether it'll be next year. I think that there's still unknown quantities in terms of Ineos, all that freaking that's still going on, that rumour and the support around him. But I reckon he could do it, honestly. I reckon he really could. That rumour has a new chapter. Alberto Constor said on Spanish television that Remco had signed for Ineos. What? Yeah, but this is Alberto Constor. Why is he the man who's told Yeah, him? exactly. Why Why is it not Patrick in the ball somewhere else, someone else? Anyways, the question in hand. I don't think he'll win next year. I think he could win a Tour de France. I just don't think it's going to be like four or five. I think if he wins a Tour de France, it might be one or two. I just think from what we've seen, the thing is, Pogac is only what, a year and a half older than him. Not even a year and a half, a year and four months older than Pogaccio him. Pogaccia doesn't matter. It's Vingo is going to win the next eight years. So. Vingo is only two years older than than Nepal. The next eight years, you can write it off, guys. It's Danish. The Danish flag, Danish anthem. But, okay, the thing is... So, <laughs> so, like, no, 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 no. no, 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 no. no. But, but in that case, because Pogaccia and Vingo are the two best riders at the Tour de France, they have been over the past three editions. Hands down, yeah. Yeah, and then Pogaccia won the 2020 edition. Avnipol has not beaten Pogaccia at a stage race yet. And like I feel like before, like we've seen them, especially the past two tours to France from Vingegaard and Pogaccia themselves, so on the build-up, they look fantastic in terms of the stage racing performance, that the, the stage racing performances that they give. I don't feel like we've seen Avnipol really go into a stage race over the past couple of years and give a completely dominant performance. He came close in the UAE tour this year, but he didn't win the final mountain stage. Adam Yates did. Even sort of this year and at Catalonia, it was close between him and him on Pogaccia. But even if it was close between him and Roglic, rather, if Avnipol were to have won that race, it would have only been a matter of maybe a couple of seconds to Roglic. Whereas Vingegaard won Dauphiné by three minutes. Pogaccia won Paris-Nice by maybe two minutes and won three stages along the way this year. Looking back at last year and then the way Pogaccia won Tirana Adriatico and uh, Vingegaard's fantastic ride at the Dauphiné last year, I feel like we've seen more on the build-up to Grand Tours from Pogaccia and Vingegaard than Avnipol. But then Avnipol really gives his stellar one day racing results at a, at a national championships at a classic that maybe Vingo doesn't get for instance we don't see anything in the classics from Vingo no he didn't he's not even going to the tour of Denmark this year or he didn't mm-hmm. go to the nationals either and Lame. didn't go to the world championships either to represent Lame. Denmark yeah, I, I agree. Like he, it's it would lame, be, Jonas. It would have been good to see him at the Worlds TT. I don't. Who knows what he could have done based on the yeah. tour one. But as you and said, a tour TT is very different to a one day TT, etc. But we for instance, a... <laughs> Pogacar came sort of like twenty. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, Patrick, you 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 did the film of uh, Pogacar getting passed on Ghana on the final climb. Yeah. Legit. Somebody said, oh, Pogaccia's coming. And I was like, sweet. So I started cheering Pogaccia. And then Ghana came. And I was like, hang on. He's been, he's been gapped. He's been, he's been fully spat by Ghana. I was like, oh no. It's a good point. One day TT performances are very different to doing them on stage 16. Uh, we have a brilliant, we've talked about this before, a liking a modern rider to Eddie Merckx. And that was, of course, Tarbigacha. So if you haven't checked that out, make sure to listen on that discussion if you're new here on the podcast. But nevertheless, now we're getting to one of our favorite topics. And I must admit, I was a big fan of this rider. And then Ewan turned, well, made me turn against him a bit. Wow, Vanart. 
uh, missed their uh, product placement during childbirth uh, or first picture of his child. Yeah, I'm never going to let that go anymore. And uh, yeah, people have commented about it. And I'm like, whatever. You have a big platform. Use it to something good. Show that you care about other people like Tari Pogacha. Sorry, this is just a completely other run. Yeah, by the way, check out uh, Tari Pogacha's uh, Instagram where he's donating depending on who takes a picture with him on the 23rd in Ljubljana, the capital of Slovenia, to raise money for some uh, for flood damages that happened in Slovenia, uh, which I think is absolutely commendable. I have never seen a pro cyclist do something as extraordinary as that. On the other hand, um, looking Uh-oh. towards... <laughs> well, Bernard posted something the other day, and it was, uh, I think it was him on a private jet. Well, there we go. Could be, we, we could be done for slander. It was him on what looked like a private jet, uh, drinking from a can of Red Bull, and he like tagged the Red Bull like at Red Bull, and he was wearing like a Red Bull hat. And it's like, wow, so happy these World Championships are over. I don't know, it's just a bit cringe. It's just too in your face. Yeah, okay. we'll hit the capitalism, but this is just too much. This it's isn't all. Thrashed. We know that we're like most of us are Matthew Van der Poel fans as well. He is probably a great person. Blah blah blah. This isn't about just a complete slander of his character, but I still think it was a weird. <laughs> he's got to get point. He's he he he's got to make that money. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, Tadu I don't Gacha, blame him. It's it's a doggy dog world out there. Yeah, this is not you and off camera, anyway. by the way. Um, the point is. He didn't win the World Championships this year in either the road race or the time trial. He is such a unique rider. We've said this so many times. He's got so many stage wins in the Tour de France. Absolutely talented rider. But are we ever going to see him where the... Well, he's, of course, been a world champion before on the cyclocross numerous of times. But is he going to ever be a world champion on the road in either the road race or the time trial? Yes. I think he will be. In my opinion, it's only kind of a matter of time. Like, come on, a guy of this quality can't go to the end of his career without winning it, right? Like, he's just, he, he is good. Like, he can climb, he can sprint, he can time trial. He, he's got all the qualities of a rider who should win a world championship. I mean, heck, he, um, he came second at Miller. Like, he, he can he can't do it all. And maybe that's his downfall. I don't know whether he get stuck between strategies or you know belgium maybe being too strong and overly confident like kind of like the dutch today in the women's race you know maybe they get a bit too confident in their abilities remco's kind of throwing a spanner in the works i think that he should be winning at world championships i think a lot of the courses get designed around puncher sort of esque riders because those are the generally kind of cool riders to have in a world champs jersey so i think that there'll be lots of courses like I remember seeing yesterday, the course for Zurich next year contains like a few kilometer climb at like 4% or so. And I think that, wow, could certainly do something well there. I think the TT is going to be a harder thing to crack personally, considering what we've just seen from an Avonable, a Ghana, and also like the rising Tarling as well. Well, I think we're getting on to later, but I think the wow's best shot is in the road race, personally. I'm not sure when that'll be, but I believe that he can win it. Yeah, similarly, I feel like it's a matter of time. Like, he is probably one of the best all-round riders in the world, but he is turning 29 this September, and he's been the top of the world now for four world championships. In Imola, then you had the Leuven ones, then you had ones last year, and this one. Yes, he's got two silver medals, but he's still not won any of those four routes that, that should be sort of specially tailored to him. And in the time trial as well, we've had different routes. We've had flat ones, we've had hilly ones, and he still hasn't got a world championship title. What is what is going to change within the next maybe four or five years of his career 
that's going to favor him more than other riders. Mathieu van der Poel, for instance, is, I think, a year younger than Noël van Aert. We've also got sort of Avenepoel riding for the same national team as him, and Avenepoel's only getting better and better with, with time. He's still got Pogacar in there, maybe sort of guys coming through the ranks as well who, who could threaten. Maybe Arno de Lee within the Belgian team as well could really take more attention away from from Wout van Aert, especially given that Arno, uh, Arno de Lee's looking like a really good sort of one-day racer, maybe for like the Kigali course, for instance, where you have that mood the Kigali or whatever it's called, which is going to be a cobble climb in the center of the Rwandan capital. Just looking at the historical patterns, I, I think it's fair to, to sort of say, yes, it should happen because it's logical to say it should because he has a skill set, but he hasn't got one yet. What is going to change? Like, Cancellara never won a road world championship title, and he probably should have. Hakim Rodriguez never won a grand tour, and he probably should have. Oh, wow. My heart is still hurting from that. Don't talk about that Rodriguez. Yeah, but okay. Yeah, but, yeah, but this is... Sean Kelly people, never people won Ronda be... Van Blanderen and the yeah, world. Exactly. Um, what other ones can we think of? Matty Breschel. <laughs> Sad times. Come on, be real. Um... Uh, I don't think he's quite on that level. But like, for instance, like there are plenty, there are plenty of riders who probably Shots should fight everywhere here. No, but yeah, but he he also won an, an Olympic gold in the road in the Olympic road race. So I feel like that's probably a bigger achievement than winning a rainbow jersey once. Is it? You have it for four years. It's the Olympics. I feel like that chance. Yeah, but you don't get a jersey though. You don't. You have I think the little gold stripe. Yeah, we call them so golden nice. great. I would love years. a jersey. Give them you a get jersey. A golden helmet. Yeah, but give them a jersey. I want to see. It's golden Greg. <laughs> exactly. will forever be golden Greg. Yeah. It's immortal. <laughs> Vinokurov as well, winning that Olympic title. That's what he's remembered for. Yeah, I think you're right with time is not on his side. But like, was it Imola? Yeah, Imola, where he almost did the double. Like, he's the But he closest. didn't. No, no, but he's the closest that we've had to a double. Like, two second places. Never yeah. been done, the double, ever. Tom de Milan came close in 2018 as well. He finished on the podium in the TT and was fourth place in the road race. It was close and he was in... It so was actual... closer. Uh, in terms of physical distance, Tom de Milan was closer because he was in the winning group. There you go. Uh, um, technicality. So goated. <laughs> go to Tom Tom de Milan, but yeah. he's very much in the UN UN Protected Riders Club. I think he's the head of that club. Historically, yeah, maybe. I feel like Stephen Kung not win- winning a world championships. Uh, like I feel like it uh, should have happened by now, but it just hasn't. I feel like Wout happened? might go down not having that. Wout needs to try really hard to win a European championship title. What happened with the Stefans? That was so sad. And, oh, um, Patrick, we don't know if you were aware of this, but we were talking about this on stream. There was this random camera angle where the riders would come off the line and then get a camera shoved in their face. Rowan Dennis had just had a mechanical crashed. And then he got the camera in the face, so he punched it. And then there was Leonard Kemner, who was unfortunate. Uh, he actually threw up right after the race, and he kind of pushed the camera away. But I thought that was very invasive. Speaking of vomit, um, there was Uh-oh. there were two instances of vomit cam this week. Great. Axel Laurence, straight after winning the the under twenty three world championship title, like straight away, he like go he finds his his parents. And he just like collapses over the bars and just vomits everywhere on the floor. And the camera stayed on him. Like they didn't cut away. I I I read this thing about this like editing philosophy that like in some places, I know like in France that they're quite big on this. Is that like you shouldn't cut away from things? Like cutting away from brutality is censorship. But maybe, maybe I'm just a bit soft here. 
but like showing Axel Laurent's vomit on camera. There are plenty of people who, who who feel like if they see someone vomit on camera, they want to vomit themselves. It just felt a bit much, you know. I'd rather wanted to see the protesters getting cementing themselves to the pavement. Than but that felt space. like censorship. Yeah, that was censorship. Mm, yeah. It wouldn't have lasted long if I were up with me on the Crow Road, I'll tell you. But anyways, um, <laughs> moving on. Um, yeah, mountain bike. You saw the rider himself, uh, Patrick, in the flesh. Uh, we had Tom Pickup absolutely dominate the mountain bike racing. I, th- did, I think he started fifth row as well and uh, oh, still God. managed to win, almost mm. getting dragged back yeah, by Sam Gaze, the New Zealand rider. Uh, Macho Van Poel crashing out on the first lap and, you know, Schurkter, uh, the ten-time world champion, even though uh, the commentary they were saying he doesn't win a lot, I was like, "You just said he's a ten-time world champion." But nevertheless, yeah, phenomenal achievement. He didn't go to the road race, unfortunately. My question here is: Is he the best all-round British rider now? Insanely good mountain biker, insanely good cyclocross rider. He's won Alpe stage on the road as well. He, yeah, Strava Bianchi this year as well. Not to forget. In terms of British riders, he is hands down. The most kind of well-rounded, if you want to, if you want to call it that, just because I don't ever remember a Garrett Thomas or Chris Froome taking to a mountain biking race or a cyclocross race like that. To be honest, but um, Garrett Thomas oh, is is an Olympic uh, oh, track yeah. champion as so well. As Wiggins, true. Wiggins. I don't know because Pickock's got that extra. He's got the road mountain bike and cyclocross. It's, there's three disciplines. That's that's trumping road and track i think that pitcock at the moment is the probably the most well-rounded british rider i don't, I don't think that's a especially kind of like outlandish thing to be saying i think that it's, it's interesting though because we saw him going for gc at the tour this year rather successfully for the first 12 days say or whatever especially with like grand colombia you know that was a really good performance as well and then yeah then like he's a good one day racer you know, we've seen him do well in plenty of one-day races so far this year. And then, like, yeah, cyclocross and mountain bike. It's almost a bit unbelievable in a way. Like, I don't want to just be, like, you know, being like, oh, look how amazing it is. It's not seen very regularly in the peloton, this level of success over multiple disciplines. We have seen Wout and Matthew especially. You know, he does dabble in mountain bike as well. But, yeah, it's not a very frequent thing. So it's quite impressive. Yeah, I feel like it's almost like a modern phenomenon now to have like these guys who are world destroyers at cyclocross and mountain biking also doing road racing. We've had like Jakob Fulsang and other people who've done mountain biking and then transitioned, but I don't think they were ever really like world destroyers. Then come to- Evans, I think that's a good. He's he was insane at mountain biking. Yeah, Sagan as well. Um, yeah, but. De- de- definitely in terms of British races, he has to be the number one. There's so many, so many examples of British track riders then doing uh, the road. Even now, I mean, Ethan Vernon for Israel Premier Tech. Oh, well, he just moved to Israel Premier Tech from Sudal Quickstep. Oh, did he actually? Jumped the gun there. Yeah, he did. Ah, oh, yeah, he won a World Championships as well, the elimination race. Mm-hmm. That was really good racing by him. He crashed and still won the race. Quite impressive. And he was in the mixed race relay as well in the same week in, on, oh, on the road. I have to talk about that. Oh, Ethan Vernon, what are you doing? But, but like, the, the, there are plenty of examples that with Wiggins and Thomas. I think it depends, like, what your, like, Bradley Wiggins is the most decorated, was the most decorated British Olympian based on the amount, amount of medals that he'd won on the track. And then as well with, with his um, individual time trial glory and the road in 2012. 
I don't know what whether that sets him apart, but in terms of like being on the three different disciplines, being a world champion of two of them, an Olympic champion of one of them, and also being a Grand Tour stage winner on the road, it is a super unique feat. Only really uh, Van der Poel can can rival that. It is a shame almost that Pitcock is riding at the same era of Van der Poel and Van Aert in the cyclocross. Maybe because he's like a little bit younger, he'll get more years on his own. But then Thibaut Nace is coming through as well. But like they are like generational talents in Wild Van Aert. And Van der Poel in particular, because he does the mountain biking as well. Might do the track next year. And uh, and what you, when did you say the insane skills of the artistic cycling as well? Yeah, I want to see uh, Van der Poel like, doing um, every doing event, stands every event. Handlebar. and cycle ball. I want to see him as a goalie. Him versus him, the Netherlands versus Belgium uh, with Wild Van Aert. Remco was a, a not like a football player as a, as a kid. So I, I feel like cycle ball is a natural progression for him in terms of it being like, just like football on a bike. I mean, in terms of pickup, how do you see his future career? Because is he just content yeah. with doing this kind of mountain bike cyclocross on a bit of road? And then that's just him for the rest of his career. Yeah. I just feel like something has to give. I feel like you can do two things. It's kind of like the age old saying with lots of things where it's like, Oh, there are three good things and you have to pick two of them or whatever. And I think that Pidcock's sort of in that where if he wants to be successful on the road, then does he have to give up success in other areas, basically, is is my point. Does he want to win the tour? He was up there in GC. That's clearly some kind of aspiration. But does that come at the cost of doing well in other races? Yeah, I feel like this is a debate we've had for a while in terms of what, what does the future look like for Pitcock because I guess it's natural to c- compare him with Van der Poel and, and, and Van Aert given that they share so much time together in the fields of Belgium during the winter and then Van der Poel in particular with the mountain bike focus as well I don't know I just don't feel like Pitcock is quite there yet in terms of his road cycling but that I think that Aston needs to be improved the most that's also probably the biggest moneymaker I would say as well rather than, than cyclocross and the mountain biking so but then why does this rider type go forward? Is it more these classics and one day racing? Is it more the stage racing? You can't, you probably could do both, but he, he looked good at Liege Bastogne Liege and he won Strada Bianca this year. So maybe it's it's more being a Mathieu van der Poel type in terms of focusing on the classics and appearing at the Tour de France and being carte blanche. But then if he is the future of Ineos Grenadiers, then he might be funneled into being a sort of a GC guy. Maybe next year he does like a Voyager Discovery. Peacock, if you look at his like Palmares, and pro cycling stats profile, he has not done many week-long stage races. That's a real sort of gap in, in his knowledge, which is maybe why when it comes to Grand Tours, he does a good first week and then crumbles into the end of the second week and, and, and the third week. Maybe what Pickock needs to do is sort of do more one-week-long stage races to build him up for a Grand Tour so he has a more reliable Tour de France GC performance. Sending him to Paris-Nice or, or to Tirreno, one of these races, could also be great uh, practice. I mean, he did Tirreno this year, crashed, but it could be great practice for the Spring Classics and also for, for his Grand Tour ambitions. I think we definitely need more evidence of, Grand, of GC performances there before we can see Grand Tour top 10 is in the bag for him. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, him, Matthew Van der Poel, and Wat Van Aert have all won Stravianchi and World Cyclocross Champions. I think that's quite funny. But uh, speaking of Ineos Grandiers' future, Josh Tarling, 19 years old, foregoing going to the under-23 level, did the Remco, 
did the Remco again by uh, finishing third, well, finishing on the podium one place lower than what Remco did back in Yorkshire. But yeah, were you guys imp- impressed by the young Tarling? He obviously won the senior nationals as well and seems like a really nice guy off the bike as well. I was very impressed. And I would like to point out that in our preview bit, I think I said that Tarling was going to finish third. This is I true. I can confirm. I edited the episode. This is this is uh, a verified fact. And there we I go. Was, I, 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 when I saw it, because I didn't know he'd finished third, so when I saw the podium, I was like, oh. my first instinct was, I was right. There's the other two on your podium. Okay. Um, if I recall, <laughs> you said Ghana would win. But I, I looked past that because he finished second and Tarling coming third was a good pick. Yeah. I'll take that. I'll take that. I was super impressed. I couldn't believe it. 19 years old. He's a teenager. He's on the podium. Like, it's insane. He's very tall as well. I can confirm mm. standing next to him. The sign was sort of there at I think it was like Tor Wallone. He finished close to Ghana. And do you reckon he's going to be more dominant than Ghana in TTs in the future? I don't know. He, like, what is what is his style? Is, is he just a pure time trialist? Like, what can he do elsewhere? Because we haven't seen much of him in terms of his road racing. He rode Roubaix this year, uh, as did Ghana, but I, I don't know. I feel like I don't know Tarling enough as a sort of rider outside of these time trials, but it has also at the same time been a while since we've had one of these guys that can just smash the time trials. I feel like it's a thing of the 2000s, 2010s to have these guys. I know Victor Campanard said a couple of years back that you can't just be a pure time trialist anymore. You have to be able to do other things. Maybe Tarling is is the new sort of cracked time trial super god of the next five, six years. But he is only 19. Give him some time. Yeah, problem is Ramco's there as well, as you guys said. But uh, yeah, yeah um, we might as well move on. And uh, stepping away from the World Championships, talked a lot about that. We'll get into Rider of the Week, where we'll probably all have something with the world. But, oh, well, actually, no, sorry, scratch that. You guys uh, had something you wanted to bring up in, well, the Women's World Time Trial Championships as well. And uh, yeah, I'll just... Hand it over to you, Jan, because uh, you wanted to talk about it. Yeah, well, well there was an incident in the uh, women's individual time trial event on Thursday that sort of caused, well, stirred up quite a strong debate online regarding Marlon Royster, who came into the women's time trial on Thursday as the, well, well I think we can say outstanding favourite following a stage win at the Tour de France Femme avec Zwift in Poe. Was that two weeks ago now, where she won the final TT there? She also the reigning European champion and was looking on great form, has been looking great throughout this year. A couple of days beforehand in the mixed race relay for Switzerland, she actually came down in a crash um, on one of these awkward corners uh, during that, that event. She, came, she got back up and Switzerland did end up getting the gold medal, but... It did feel for like a bit of a sort of mental wobble moment. However, coming into Thursday's individual time trialing event, it seemed like things weren't really going her way. At the first time check of the day, she was down in fourth position, evidently off the pace set by Chloe Diger, the American who made her big comeback into the international scene in Europe, at least in in, in the time trialing discipline. And for Royce, the cameras cut to her. She sat back up in, into her normal handlebars, shook the head, and about 100 or so meters later, got off the bike, sat on the ground, and she DNF'd the race. Afterwards, she cited mental exhaustion with a number of interviews that came afterwards. She said that people might not understand, people might be angry with her decision, as people were online. 
But this is a very, very unique feat of DNFing a TT, not from a crash, but from mental fatigue. It's taken riders to, to do this kind of thing in the past. Remember Tom de Milan took a mental health break back in 2020 through 2021. And we've had riders uh, leave the sport, citing mental fatigue as well in the past. So it's nothing new, but for it to happen mid-race to Royce, who was a favorite in the race, and for her to then continue on to the road race of the weekend, it's definitely cooked up quite the debate, particularly on Twitter, stroke X. I don't know what even to make of this, because I would understand it if she didn't do the road race today, but she did the road race today, and she finished fourth. So was it just on the day? Clearly, it's, clearly it's not debilitating where she's needing to just pull out a world champs right you know she's still done it today so was it just like a fleeting thing was it that she got told she was in fourth place and she mentally cracked from that because she is a favorite and she was like i'm not first what's going wrong i guess i didn't have the biggest sympathy towards it because i thought like it, it is hard absolutely it's like the toughest sport in the world we, we know this but you know just sort of stopping and not finishing is just seems a little bit poor form in my eyes. I know I'm going to get eaten alive for that in the comment section, but she's essentially denied others the ability to beat her, even though she is the favorite and therefore beating her is a big deal. But instead of it being she's sixth place and people beat her, instead it's DNF and, and we don't know how she was really doing on the day. If you see what I mean, so it kind of denied others the the gratification of being able to beat such a champion. I don't know; it just seemed a little bit poor form for, for me, uh, in my opinion. But that's just my one controversial take on it. It did seem strange at the time, like the camera's cut and she just she pulled over onto the side of the road and just like sat there. Did you think like get, get into the car straight away? And it, it was a bit perplexing, but at the same time, it's like. Everybody ha has those days when you wake up and you just really can't be asked. You know, you wake up and you think, wow, I really don't want to go to work. I don't want to go to university. I don't want to go to school. Some of us would call in sick. Some of us would miss a class. Believe me, I've missed a class. And only one. <laughs> I've missed classes to be on live streams on the Cycling Day YouTube channel. I did it for you guys. <laughs> um, I blame you. You're my sitting on the side of the road in in the middle of, 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 of a time trial anyways so i i do kind of get it and like there was a lot going on like for, for the tour de france fam to happen then to come straight in, into the world road race championships they had the mixed race tt she crashed in that yes they still won and then coming into this race i don't know maybe she she went around the course and she was like man i just don't like the course i heard she was fourth and it's just like you know i'm a give up i get that it's like your sort of irrational mindset at the time maybe she, th she thought i was rational but like you know, sometimes if you like, you're playing maybe FIFA with a friend. I know it's very different playing like you're comparing FIFA to a world time trial yeah. title. Yeah, but okay, like you know, maybe if like you get like a player sent off in the first like five minutes, what, and you think, you damn, yeah. I just I just want to restart the match, or I just want to quit the game, or like you score you you score a lousy goal and like you're maybe two 0 down in the first twenty minutes, and you think, what's the point of like wasting the next X amount of time of of my life on something I'm not going to win and not really going to benefit from? I do get it, but it is a I get it as well. Yeah. if she has, if she, as you guys said, going into it was everyone saying you're the favorite, you're the favorite, and then to find out you're not even in the medals, you're having a bad day. Yeah, I don't begrudge her that uh, at all. 
uh, it's yeah. her race at the end of the day if she feels yeah. like she's not there. But I see your point as well, Patrick. It's not. Yeah, I'm not trying but, to <laughs> send all the seems, hate your way. Yeah, but it just seems wrong. And it's like, oh, I'm fourth. I'm a winner, and I'm not going to win. So I'm just going to pack up my bags and leave, take my ball home, because I'm not going to win. I don't know. A metaphorical ball. In Wait, was she in cycle <laughs> ball as well? <laughs> Switzerland are good at cycle ball. Switzerland are good at. I feel like cycle ball is going to be a reoccurring theme on this Bit podcast now. Yeah. I hope not. I don't know. <laughs> Sorry, Mister. I bring up FIFA. Yeah. Basically, I, I think she should have continued. Before we get into Rider of the Week or Rider of the World Championships, more like, um, I thought this would be a good opportunity for us with the Vuelta España, not that far away, to look at the favourites and kind of see where you kind of think they're all, well, the data we've had over the last few weeks since the Tour de France, etc. Where you think they are, obviously we don't know what Jonas Vingo is doing. Uh, he's somewhere in Teed, we expect, or something. But has these few weeks changed your perception in terms of who's going to be the contenders in, in the Vuelta España? Obviously, we've done a clip where we talked about uh, Jonas Vingo, and big, big name, and uh, potentially could be the first rider to do the Tour Vuelta since Froome. But uh, Remco Venepoel, we talked about him. We even had last week a clip that we were a bit worried about him since the road race. You've got Ayuso in there as well. You've got Roglic. And Joao Almeida, who's at the long time trial. But uh, yeah, has has your perception changed the the Vuelta España podium this year? I don't think Almeida is going to be on there. I mean, last week, Patrick said that Ayuso was the number one for, for UAE, and I'm kind of buying into that now. I thought maybe Almeida had the off day last week, but he looked pretty poor in, in the TT. I know a one, one day TT is different to a to a normal time trial, but he's a guy who's won the Portuguese championships and and he's been up there on prologues at Grand Tours as well. So for him to be sort of so lackluster at, at, at that point, I'm just not feeling it. Uh, but then his, his performance in Poland was also pretty good, but he's won that race in the past. Mm. Avenable definitely has bounced back. We don't know what the Yumbo guys are doing. I know Roglic was at a camp in Tinia, I imagine... I'm not 100% sure right now, but I imagine Vingo has joined him at the altitude camp in the Alps uh, to get ready for the Vuelta. Which other favorites do we even have? Garrett Thomas, he looked decent in the time trial 10th place. That's all right. I just don't know if Thomas could win the Vuelta, particularly with this company. Be a bit cheeky and already give a podium prediction. Go for it. I mean, it doesn't count. It can be like a an indicator well, but your official one isn't this one yeah so you have time to change i've, I've had a change of heart i think it'll be Jonas first avenable second and a yuzo third i don't oh. think roglic is got a podium because i think that Jonas and yumbo are going to be like we need to win this and we're going to have to sacrifice one of them and i think that's going to more likely to be roglic given that Jonas is Jonas, to be honest and i think that you could see a roglic being a bit like an adam yates sort of style apart from not finishing on the podium maybe like a fourth or fifth and yeah, I just think like Avenapool's looking super good. Whether you can kind of get the peak going again for the Vuelta and although the lacking of TTKs, I think this is going to be, you know, I, I think that he will, you know, lose by, you know, like, I don't know, two, three minutes probably to Jonas. And that'll obviously implicate upon everything that we've said about Avenapool winning the tour in the future. But yeah, that's kind of my, my provisional one. I'm not sure about G. I reckon that's like a top five. He's, he's just like a solid kind of like person to back, isn't he? He's just like, he will just do well. So long as he stays upright, he is just Mr. Consistent. He will do good. Yeah, the Ayuso Almeida thing. Ayuso is an interesting one because we saw him struggling at some stages of 
Tour de Suisse and like Romandy earlier this year. But then other stages he won. Hard one to predict, to be honest with you, with a Yuzo, but I have faith that a year on from last year's podium, I reckon he could repeat it again. But Mass isn't doing the Vuelta Burgos now in favour of just training for the Vuelta. So obviously he finished second, third last year? Second last year after Roglic crashed, yeah. And he was second um, before as well. Sasha Vlasov and Itablux, of course. Ever the threat. I think it's going to be a cracking Vuelta, honestly. I think it's got an absolutely stastered list of riders. Dare I say it rivals, if not beats, the, the tour in terms of depth of quality. I reckon it's going to be a real good race. Pogaccia, Pogaccia, Pogaccia. That's what it's in, is in Ewan's head right now. Uh, he should be there. Yeah, that's, that's what I'm thinking. It's like everybody else mm. is there. Imagine uh, that team. Ayuso, Pogaccia, Almeida. That's just uh, like all-stars. Oh, uh, yeah. That's amazing. But then like, what you said about, about Ayuso having like the hot and cold kind of like races this year, that's like what Avenable used to do before last year's Balta, where he would like be so good on one stage, then lose four minutes the next stage. And those hot and cold performances, maybe Ayuso's going to do the same and like bounce back here at the Balta and, and go for it. I still think Ayuso's too young maybe to win but on the podium for sure. I also, I, I do think Roglic will finish in the podium if he stays upright. All riders on the podium. Jonas, Ayuso, Roglic? Oh, you're not including Evenepoel. I feel like Evenepoel's just going to get like nenade at this at this Bolta. I feel like so, like something's going to happen where like Yumbo are going to go ham and he's going to be caught out if you get what I mean. Sad times. I also think just Vigo. Vigo's just so good. Yeah, legit. He is. Especially on like stage 20, those like continuous cat freeze. Even a pool could have a hard day if if the proverbial poo hits the proverbial fan. Remco yeah. could have a proverbial meltdown. But I think you guys are right though. We haven't really seen him other than that Terreno, which yeah, whatever. Uh, but in a Grand Tour setting, we've never seen Remco go against Jonas or Pogaccia. So this should be Hopefully, like not just fizzles out, and he actually it actually is an interesting duel. It's not just uh, Remco kind of disappears, but I don't think his teams are strong though. Yumbo, yeah, Yumbo does destroy Quickstep. That, that, that's true, but I saw an interesting thing of did you like Pigatch's team at the twenty twenty tour when he won was so bad. Wasn't Christoph still... in the team as well? Yeah, yeah. it was like Christoph, Fergalag, and Polang just. Formalo, and just a load of people like you wouldn't have even expected that I don't know that they would have been able to support a Tour de France victory. And You're they did. Fabio Aru as well. <laughs> the fact that Aru went into that race as like co leader with, with, with yeah. Pogaccia. I just, remember seeing UE's, UE's smoke and mirrors press release before that, and I was like, oh, yeah, this Pogaccia guy, yeah, he's not that good. He's just here to learn. And then he won, and I was like, this is such lies, Yui. I'm never believing one of your press releases ever again. Lies. Great video on the second day about that, about him. Um, but, yeah, so, uh, Yuen, who who do you think is going to win the World Tour? Well, we've pretty much all of us have said bingo um but who do you think is the two lower steps of the podium someone then Roglic someone then Roglic uh, I use all that like it's a natural progression to finish second when's the yeah. last Spanish winner is it Contador it must be yeah Contador 2012 no 2014 they need another winner so maybe Ayuso maybe in a few years 
Yeah, but like fr- France need a win at the Tour de France. It doesn't yeah, mean that yeah, yeah, again I mean, six minutes on Cordoba. Lenny Martinez, yeah. that's the guy. I mean, we've been through this. Know. We had a clip about this. You never know when somebody crashes. You know, it's yeah. gonna have a bad day. You don't, yeah, we've never true. seen him back. We've never seen him do a twelve welt. You don't know how he's gonna react to it. You never know. We've also never really seen Jonas get caught up in like a big proper crash. Wait, hang on. Did no, that's a lie that we have. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> 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 he had multiple crashes and still yeah, won the, the race. Um, yeah. I don't know. It's like it's like Pogacar. It's like how long can this guy go on for without being in like a big major crash incident? And that happened this year. Yeah, it's like um. I don't know, like every like big big name rider has had like one major crash incident in their careers. Jonas hasn't had one yet. I mean, Remco nearly died, so he trumps them all. I think. Yeah, that's true. He went. He 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 went full ball. I I was so sure he was dead. I was I was really scared for him. And then a YouTube channel I won't mention uh, put the video up straight away, and I was like, nice. Yeah, have some class, people. Yeah. Uh, but speaking of class, uh, let's go to Rider of the World Championships. And I mean, there's plenty to choose. Mm, there uh, is. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know, even know how we're going to base it. Are we going to base it on like, because it feels like cruel, because I want really want to pick one rider, but he's only won one ch- World Championships. We know there's so many other riders who've won multiple disciplines. So do we divide it up into this week and then the overall? I think that's fair. So you're this week and then overall. Okay, that's fine. Well, there's only one rider that can be chosen for this week, and that is, of course, Tom Pitcock. As soon as he took that Yorkshire flag, I was like, yep. <laughs> yeah, honestly, that was such a good vibe. Yeah, it was a bit of a sketchy move, him finishing third place in that short track when he just annihilated that poor German, but he got he got two medals in one week, and yeah, that was just pure vibe, seeing him uh, win yesterday, so Tom Paycock's my rider of this week. Um, yeah, okay, I'm gonna go for Victor Koretsky, um, of France. He's he's a longtime favorite of mine, so maybe maybe this is just favoritism from from down the line. He was all okay. So so in terms of like Heath's road and um and mountain biking, but his mountain biking has been who over the past year and he just suddenly arrived at the world championships got a silver medal in, in the short track then came fourth in the uh, cross country he was angry i think in terms of the entertainment value he gave us he was like booing and like he did like the bradona he, he was doing all these hand gestures coming o- o- over the line he was not happy and he was really really angry with, with uci and, and their whole decision around the around the event and just in terms of him like He's, he's been so off the radar for a while and for him to now be back on the radar, especially after sort of jumping onto the road last year, not getting great results apart from a stage win at the Albazer Tour, then to have these couple days like of really, really high level racing. That's fantastic. Yeah. Okay. The one I'm going to go for is Kevin Quintaro of Colombia. I don't know if you guys know who he is. No, uh, the men's uh, world champion now in the Kieran event, and that Kieran was incredible. We've talked about Harry Lavarazen of the Netherlands. He's won this event three years in a row, but the Colombian was starting from the back, and then in the last lap, literally just came from behind and took everyone with great speed, even giving him enough time to celebrate. And uh, I mean, Colombia and world championships isn't exactly 
something that happens a lot. So I just thought that was a very good win. I checked. There's not really a history of, because I was thinking, is this the next Gibrio? But Kieran event and transitioning to the road is not, there's basically nothing. Uh, there's, well, Tail Boss, that's the only guy uh, you can really think of. Chris Hoy never did. Jason Kenny, et cetera, et cetera. The physiology just isn't there. Yeah, too, exactly. Too built. Yeah, what a, what a like damn shame! You're just too big and muscly. Two thousand watts, yeah, too too many watts. Uh, are you going to get over Cat Two? No, uh, but yeah, nevertheless, who's your rider of this uh, super super world championships? My rider of this world championships is Lotta Kopecky for winning, <laughs> as you and checks checks or somebody else. Uh, in fact, she won three world titles including a really a, a really emphatic victory at the of a world timed like uh, road race today uh, that was just an incredible form she came in as the favorite and she she delivered and despite the fact that she was really having to work really hard to try and kind of keep things under control she marked moves and then she made that one final attack over top of Utzlup Ludwig and yeah the fact that she's also on the track which I just completely forgot about as well she's yeah just probably the best rider in women's cycling at this current moment monster literally beating the Dutch team as well that was absolutely stacked yeah yes I'm sorry for taking your pick Ewan it's fine (laughs) I felt like it was it was a rite of uh, passage given how strong she's been now you know how I feel when you, <laughs> you took mine the other week. Real. Okay, in that case, I'm going to go for someone who won on, on the road and on the mountain bike. I'm going to take what someone who could have been Scott's pick, Albert Philipson of Denmark. I know he's under, un, under 18 at the moment, but still winning a mountain bike and winning the road world championships within the matter of the same week. It's it's a really great performance. It's what Matthew van der Poel wanted to do. And this little, this little thing got it. On top of... His, um, he's also got a European ch- title as well this year, and he's the national road ta- champion and the national cyclocross champion of Denmark. Maybe he is the next Van der Poel. Fingers crossed. Uh, yeah, I'm going to pick Matthew Van der Poel. Don't really need to explain it. But he crashed <laughs> out in the mountain bike. Yeah, but he won He won the world road race, and he's the world yeah. cyclocross champion. No, that's fair. I gave, I gave my ride of the week to a man who didn't even win a gold medal. Also, when there are like a hundred gold medals yeah. in offer this, in this event, there was also a just lot. quick side, quick side note before we sign off. But the fact that Alperson have the elite men's champion, the under twenty three, and also Sam Gaze who won the short mm. track, Alperson oh. have three world champions. That is insane. Ineos I know you could say Ineos had like holding yeah, yeah, exactly. for and Pidcock, but like oh, yeah. and Ghana, they had Ghana as well. Individual pursuit. That's true. That's like, true. Al- but, like Alperson, yeah, Alperson, crazy. Yeah, yeah, true. Anyways, with that, that's basically it for our 29th episode here of the Echelon Cycling Podcast. Make sure to get involved in the comments. We love the comments, even sometimes when you're a bit too critical of us. Uh, and hit the like button, subscribe to the channel. And of course, as always, we will see you next week. 